0: Um, so this week's episode I have on Eric Van Workum, um, Eric's from Utah and, uh, part of the brand Muley Freak. And uh, so I met him at TAC at Total Archery Challenge there in Big Sky, and we had a good conversation there. And, and uh, then decided to have him on the podcast. He has so much great experience and, and uh, great pa- passion for, for hunting and for archery hunting, and has some really good insights. So today we got together, and this episode is all about being effective with a short amount of time. Um, so this really hit home for both of us. He does, a a, a bunch of short duration hunts throughout the year and then, um, you know, I I usually spend my time on a big week long hunt, and and then you know I'm a weekend warrior, and I've had more time recently to to really chase my passion and be out hunting for for multiple days at a time. But um it goes back to my roots of just being a weekend warrior, having two three days to get it done. And so um just a great conversation with him. I really enjoyed it, and uh, should make for a great episode, and and you guys will enjoy it too. Uh, sponsor for today's show is Taito Knives. Um, Taito knives I've been using them for a couple of years now. Um, they're a game changer. They're just a re- replaceable surgical razor blade knife. Um, you know when the the blade gets dull, you pull it off and, and stick a new one on and, and uh, they've got bright handled grip so when I set it down when I'm rolling over an elk quarter or uh, rolling over an entire animal, you know when I'm processing it in the field, I can see my knife laying there on the ground, uh, which is a good thing. Um, But they're ultra lightweight. Um, They put some great 550 cord grips on them um, gosh, a uh, uh, just a, a great system and you can process an entire animal with a blade or two. I mean, I can do everything from, you know, I quarter and bone, uh, pull the back straps, the tenderloins, carve off any loose meat, do the ribs. And then, you know, I can take the entire head off with the knife. I mean, it's amazing. And these, these sharp blades actually make it safer. They make it, you know, the olden days, your knife would get dull and then you have to start forcing it. And, and with, a with a surgically sharp knife, you can just let the, you can let the blade do the cutting and you don't have to force or push hard. And so, you know, you have to be careful with them. But once you get used to them, I think they make the task a lot safer and um, they, they definitely make it a lot easier to process game animals. So um, I really like Taito Knives. Make sure to check them out, guys. And, and thanks to those guys for sponsoring the podcast. Um, Over there at Eastman's, a um, bunch of cool things going on over there. I'm going to run back over in April and get together with those guys and, and uh, maybe have some guests come to the office there and then um, also get hooked up with the, the regular crowd. I, I love having those conversations with the Brandon Masons and the the Dan Picard and Guy Eastman and there's just so much great content there and so much passion for Western hunting. So definitely going to get some recorded with those guys. Um, the Beyond the Grid has been off the hook here. Lately with, with Dan's Wilderness Hunt For Elk and then Guy's Marco Polo Hunt. Um, some really cool Episodes to, so make sure to check out That internet TV show And then I still see that deal going for Both magazines for $20 for a Year. That's 12 issues like I say, that um, the, there's great staff articles. There's there's great subscriber stories in there, and then um, also that MRS, um, such a important research tool. It's the Members Research Supplement. Uh, just gives you information on draw odds, um, where the big ones are coming from, hunting pressure. Uh, there's an entire breakdown for every state, and a huge asset as we're as we're putting in for tags right now. So make sure to check that out, or um, check out that subscription deal we got going on right now and uh with that let's get this thing going so me and eric uh we're talking uh short duration hunts eastman's elevated here we go all right so i'm live here with eric van workham um eric thanks a bunch for being on man
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brian.
0: Yeah, so we met at TAC up at the shoot up there in Big Sky about a year ago, and it's taken us this long to get hooked up and re record a podcast. But yeah, I'm glad to have you on.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean... Why did it take us so long? You're so busy and so popular.
0: (laughs) I was gonna say you're so busy and so popular, but yeah, we just get busy uh, plugging away here. Um, You're one of the founders at Muley Freak, one of the original lifestyle brands, which is really cool. So I know that keeps you busy.
1: Oh yeah, it keeps me way busy. Yeah, I guess you could say I'm the I'm the brainchild of uh, Muley Freak. Um, Started, you know, I founded a, a, you know, I just. I saw, I saw this social media thing going somewhere, and I decided to create a Facebook page and buy a URL and share hunting photos, and then it just kind of developed from there. It was pretty crazy. Back then, social media was a little bit different because, you know, you could grow more organically, and the reach was just crazy. I mean, obviously, it's changed a lot since then, but, yeah, pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, you were at the forefront of it, uh, uh, seeing where everything was going and kind of adapting along the way to to make that brand profitable. Um, but yeah, kudos. Uh, I I see your guys's brand. I love following you know your personal page and then also the Muley Freak page. You guys got a lot of good content on there.
1: Absolutely, thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I wanted to have you on today as we got talking. Um, you know, I always do a phone conversation before the podcast and kind of get a feel for the guests. And we were trying to brainstorm ideas and we came up with this idea you do a a ton of hunts just like me per season but a lot of those you have to do in a short window of time and same with me i take my time for these big adventure hunts and then i'm kind of stuck with the weekends or long weekends and trying to get it done and so i just want i I thought it's a great conversation to kind of break down how to be more effective in a short amount of time
1: yeah absolutely i mean yeah I just felt like this would be a good subject just because with 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 my work and my job and me having a young family, I mean you really gotta figure out a way to be efficient and and not only in your business life but um also your hunting and stuff so I don't know i just I just thought this one would hit home with with a bunch of hunters.
0: Oh, I think you're spot on. Yeah. I think it's a great subject um, because we are, we're, you know, no matter how much time you have um, it, it seems like you're always trying to fit in an extra three days or a, a quick weekend hunt or or like you, you know, you're fitting in um, so many hunts per season, but a lot of times on these hunts um, like these muley hunts that you go on, you only have three or four days.
1: Yeah, Max. Yeah. So, I mean, I typically try to leave on a you know a Thursday night and uh, hunt Friday Saturday Sunday and then drive all through Sunday night to get back for the workday on Monday. So it's, it's it's pretty crazy.
0: Um. Well, yeah that that brings up a great point is like the when you're a weekend warrior you have to make the most of it and I always look at it as I need to add as many hunts as I can. So I may only have Friday Saturday Sunday but just like you said. I'm going to be driving over Thursday night in the dark, and I'll drive throughout the night so I can wake up that Friday morning and gain a hunt. And and, and then also Sunday, like I'll stay late so I can hunt that last chance that Sunday night, and then I'll dra- drive all night to get home so then I can be at work on Monday. But that's – it's so important that you fit in extra hunts when you've got a short amount of time.
1: Absolutely. I mean, gosh, any time you can get out there, I mean – You're you're increasing your chances, and I mean I mean you can't kill them from the couch, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, and like on on just like say a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you're if you leave and you don't get Friday morning, you get Friday evening, Saturday morning, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. That's four hunts. But if you are willing to sacrifice a little bit and stay out, you could add two hunts to that. I I mean it it almost doubles your hunting time. You go all of a sudden from four hunts to six hunts you know, because I count every morning and evening as a hunt. So yeah, adding those couple hunts, um, it, it can make the difference between filling your tag or not.
1: Absolutely. And, and the biggest thing too is let, let's say you find a way in your schedule, your family life, your professional life, whatever, to get out there like we're talking about, leave Thursday night or leave Friday morning, hunt Friday night, um, then while you're in the field, you've got to be efficient too. So you've, you've got a first plan, which I'm a terrible planner. That's why I just get up and go. But you'll, anyone who hunts with me or, um, or knows me well, know that I don't plan very well. Cause that's why a lot of times I'll get a text the day before. Hey, you guys want to go hunt? No. Why don't you tell me three, why do not you tell me three weeks ago? You know, and I'm, I'm kind of a spur of the moment guy because I've got to take off and go when I think I have an opportunity and, I, and my wife doesn't have something on a Saturday or that I know I do not have to watch the kids, I, that's all I'll just get up and go because I know there's an opportunity, whether it's a day, day and a half, you know, I'll drive six hours and just go and hunt just because I have a free weekend and a half or, or, you know, just to get out and hunt. So, I mean, you've got to take those opportunities, but, but once, let's say you're fortunate enough to have the opportunity to hunt a weekend. I mean, while you're in the field, you've got to be efficient too. So, um, you know, capitalizing on those stocks and 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 those shots and just really being super super focused to be able to execute so that you know you can go home with an animal cuz i don't like to go home without an animal i mean yeah i like to hunt i like to be out there but gosh i i like to go home with something <laughs>
0: I do too. The the fun's in stalking and the fun's in, in trying and being on the adventure. But um, yeah, I mean, that's always the end goal is to be successful and uh, to harvest a critter that you're proud of. But you're right. Like being efficient in the field is so important when you have a short amount of time. And so along with, with driving in the dark, I'm also hiking a lot in the dark. You know, I'm hiking – you know, if I have a morning hunt, I'm not going to leave the truck at daybreak, you know, unless I've got bulls around me or whatever the case. But a lot of times I'm hiking, you know, a couple hours before light. I'll sacrifice, you know, uh, uh, that that time in the dark to get to the best vantage point when the lights come on so I can be as effective as I can be in that short amount of time. Do you do the same thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about it. You, you got a day and a half, let's say two days to hunt. You can't You can't afford – to miss one morning hunt. You know, you, you can't afford to miss that sunrise or, or be at that spot when daybreak, so absolutely. You gotta you've gotta grind hard to, especially when you're fitting in so many hunts and, and they're such short hunts, you really gotta grind to, I mean, you're tired, right? You've been driving, you haven't really slept, you slept in your car, whatever, and just having that fortitude to get out of the vehicle get up there extra early to make sure to ensure that you don't miss that, you know, that's you know you need to be to the spot, right? That's the spot. Every hunter talks about, guess we gotta be to that spot. Yeah, you gotta make sure you're to the spot so you don't you know you don't you're not, you know, wasting your time.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where like your, your training being in good physical shape and then, uh, mental fortitude, like setting your mind to doing that before season. And once you're there, you, you have no choice. You have to go, you know, like I, I haven't slept in on a morning hunt and I hunt over a hundred days a year. I, I haven't slept in a morning hunt like 10, 12 years. I just know how important that morning hunt is. And I just refuse to let myself sleep late. I am always up before light because you know, you're, you're making the most of it.
1: Right. Absolutely. And, and you got to, if you're going to fit that many hunts in, you've got to be super efficient with your time. And I mean, cause you know, my wife is making sacrifices at home while I'm you know, chasing my dreams and chasing all these animals. So, I mean, I feel like I kind of owe it to her to be more efficient with my time and my little girls so that I can get home and spend as much time as I can with my
0: family. Yep. Um. Yeah, absolutely. And and another part of this that is never really talked about is is clearing your head. And we we all have stuff inside our head. And I think it's tough, like, on a small amount of time. Um, You know, it, it like takes being in sync with the woods before you're really finding elk or you're really finding mule deer. Like I have to put all of those worries out of my head. You know, I'm thinking about work and I'm thinking about my wife and I'm thinking about responsibility. So for me, I like to, to take care of all those things before I leave, you know, the Thursday before I leave. I have a checklist. Uh, I need to make these phone calls. I need to take care of this. So, I know nothing's going to, you know, nothing's going to come up while I'm hunting or things might come up, but I've taken care of everything I can take care of. My family knows how many days I'm going to be gone, and so I can get out there and I can just immerse myself in hunting and and focus on the task at hand where I'm not thinking about oh I got to get this bill out or I got to get this check-in to pay this or so like for me I I try to clear everything out of my head to also be efficient do you do that yeah yep because gosh
1: you know I'll find myself I'll I'll get to a high peak and I'll, I'll do the same thing try to clear my head once I clear my head I'm just ultra focused and at the task at hand and that's trying to find a, a mature animal and to execute on the, you know, the shot and gosh, if I get to a high peak and all of a sudden my phone starts buzzing and all these text messages come through and these emails start popping up, I have to, I'll, I'll, I, I'll lose, I'll lose focus and all of a sudden I, I'm like, there's a deer over there and I'm just, I'm like, my phone's buzzing and I'm just like, get caught up in these important emails or a text and I'm just like, so I, I'll, I'll go to my, I'll go in an airplane on my phone, just so I don't have any distractions. And I'm so busy with work that a lot of times these notifications just stress me out. And they're so stressful that, um, I'll lose focus. And you think, well, geez, maybe you're not that focused of a hunter that if you're getting an email and your mind is taken off the game, it's just like, well, I'm so busy with my professional life that, gosh, you, you've just really got to, Tune everything out and just ultra-focus because even though you're doing the thing you love and you're in God's country, it, I think you've it's easy to get distracted still with your mind and especially with the technology. But you've got to try to shut all that off so you can, again, be efficient with your time that you're out there in the field. I, I don't know. I, I I struggle with that, Brian, just because it seems like work follows you everywhere nowadays. And with me being in social media – It never sleeps, so um, trying to shut the social media off and, and really focus on the hunt helps me
0: man I'm so glad to hear that I'm not the only one like I
1: I oh, love
0: God. hunting and I love being out there but for some reason like it's easy to stress over your everyday life when you're out there and you almost feel like you're away from it and you can't take care of things so I'm the same way I have to get away from my phone I've got to turn it off and I, I just got to get my mind right where I think this is my time to enjoy and and also along with what you said with the family like I think I'm doing a disservice if I'm not enjoying it or if I've, I spend the whole Time anxiety filled or trying to get back these texts or these emails, it definitely takes away from the hunt. So, you're right, you got to set your mind right and just figure my phone is going to be off for these three days and I'm going to enjoy this trip no matter what comes up, no matter what I have to handle. You know, And, and it's a lot easier when your phone's on airplane mode, you just don't see it until after you're done, and then you can get back to real life and send your emails and your texts. But while you're on the hunt, Like immerse yourself and enjoy it, but I think it's something we all struggle with, and it's easy to get distracted when you've got a supercomputer right at your fingertips, you know, know. and and it feels like – In today's day and age, too, you're really expected to respond back quickly. Like an email is usually the next day, you're expected to respond back, and so you get like this feeling of pressure when you start getting texts and emails that you, "I'll just take care of this real quick," or "I'll just take care of this." Well, when you're doing that, you're not hunting effectively. You're not immersed in the hills, and and you're not you're not focusing on the task at hand. So I'm the same way. I have to get my mind right, and it's a it's a, a a conscious effort by me to do that.
1: Right. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it takes focus. It's, it's interesting that, that we're even talking about this, but it takes focus to tune everything out and um, just, it takes focus to tune everything out and then focus, if that makes sense, focus on the task at hand. And that's the hunt. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I, focus doesn't come naturally. It's something you have to work at, and uh, especially at today's day and age, with the all the information at our fingertips, you have to focus and put that away and and immerse yourself in the hunt. And, and I think that's a big part of being successful with a short amount of time.
1: Yeah, yeah. with a short amount of time, you, you can't. Like I said, I've, I'm selling like a broken record here, but you can't afford not to be focused, especially when you only have a day and a half, two days, and then. You know, you you go to all that work, you you pay for the gas money, you pay for the tag, you have all that time into the research and for you to get on the mountain and be chasing animals and to be on a stalk and, you know, with with bow hunting, there's so many steps to be successful and you you just can't afford to make a mistake because if you're not focused and your mind is elsewhere because of the stresses of the world or life or business, you're just – in my mind, you might as not – you, you might as well have not even went hunting if, if you weren't going to dedicate your mind and your body to it.
0: <laughs> it's so true, Eric. Well, and also, um, like I know a lot of guys start worrying about their family and their wife. And, and that's another thing that, that's tough too, is that is our number one concern, you know, being a husband and being a father is to make sure we're there for our family. But You know, part of that too is enjoying our life to, to be able to be a better father and a better husband. And so to sit there and worry about, you know, my wife taking care of things or I need to get home. For some reason, when you, you make all these plans, you get up on the mountain and instantly your brain starts wandering back to like, oh, I'm out here goofing off and my wife is taking care of the kids and I really need to get home and, and it's easy to, to give in early or not give it your, your entire effort. So, you know, also it's making that plan with your wife that you're going to be gone for three days and then just trusting that she has everything handled, that it's taken care of, and then enjoy your time in the field.
1: Absolutely. I, I, I feel like I owe it. To, like I said, I, I feel like I owe it to my wife and my girls, um, you know, I, to, to be as efficient as possible so I can get home and spend time with them because at the end of the day, our wives – you know, children are sacrificing, too. And I said wives, plural, meaning your wife, too. I don't have multiple wives.
0: <laughs> you don't? I do. <laughs> no, yeah. No, yeah. that's so funny. I live
1: in Utah. I got like five. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh,
0: that would be really tough. I, I have a tough enough time keeping my, my one wife happier.
1: Yeah, uh, can you imagine?
0: <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, that sounds like a nightmare to me. Not that I don't enjoy the one wife that I have, but two seems like too much.
1: Yeah, too, too might just be too much but no I, I they're sacrificing too you know i I think about and my wife tells me this as soon as I get home from a hunt but she she reminds me of how much she sacrifices you know some of her things for me being gone and some of the things she enjoys she likes to dance and and do things like that and um she sacrifices just so I can be gone watching the kids and and arranging babysitters when she absolutely has something she needs to do and I'm gone you know and so she's kind of she's kind of She's kind of running the household, so I, you know, I, I, feel like I owe it to her to not be out there screwing around, but, um, to really be laser focused on what I'm trying to accomplish, and that's to punch a tag. And to those listening, I don't want them to seem like, oh, gosh, hunting. You should enjoy it more, and you should be, you know, more relaxed. I, I mean, when hunting becomes more work, uh, or or a part of your work, um and it requires you go on a lot of hunts I, I think you've got to be more efficient and I still enjoy the heck out of it it's just I try to be as efficient as possible so you know I, I can get home to my family and I, and I wouldn't do it if I didn't love hunting so much so don't get me wrong I love it more than anything but at the end of the day my family is the most important thing so I owe it to my family to be efficient not not only my social media clients but also you know my family so and I think that's one thing that's cool too. And uh, you're in construction, right, right? Yes, I am. So I'm, I'm sure some of your people understand when uh, your love for hunting and you being gone, but at the same time, you respect, um, you know, your clients, your clients' time by, you know, trying to be efficient as possible so you can get back. I mean, if you've promised someone to get a uh, to build something or, or timelines for, you know, say concrete's going to show up. I mean. You've given them your word, so you've got to make sure that you're efficient with your time on the field so you can get back to your job, right?
0: Yeah, I – I, you have a responsibility to do what you say you're going to do. And especially in construction, when people are spending the most money to build their house and you, you tell them you're going to do something or you're going to have something done by a certain time, you know, you have to get it done. And so, yeah, you do, you you have a responsibility to them to to follow through and make sure you can get back and take care of things. But I thought that was a good point as, as we talk about efficiency and, and, and punching tags. I'm, I'm the same way is where I do really enjoy my time, but I enjoy like being immersed in it. I I enjoy like trying to solve the puzzle and trying to figure out and, and pushing really hard and trying to get stocks and, and trying to be successful, you know, that it it occupies my mind and it occupies my focus. And, And so when I'm thinking about hunting, you know, when I, when done right, I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm thinking about hunting and hunting that animal and that, being immersed in that world, that's what I really enjoy because that's, that's all I'm thinking about. So yeah, part of the enjoyment for me is is being hyper-focused on being efficient and effective.
1: Right. Absolutely. It's, it's magical when you can get your mind and your body that state where you're only focused on the heart. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. And, And that's why we all do it, right? Because we, we love it. And you know, some of us have more stress than others and, some of us have different family dynamics at home, and, and some of us may, may or may not have any family at home. But I think all of us can relate to the fact that when you're in the hunt and you're laser-focused, it's it's the hunt is magical.
0: No, oh, absolutely. Well, and Whether you get anything or not. Yes, for sure. As long as I hunt hard and I give it my all, I come home each time happy, wanting to get back to the hills again. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I I really enjoy being in in the mountains and and I used to you know I am hyper focused on being successful or I am focused on being successful um but you know, I've got better as I get older too, of really enjoying while I'm there and while I'm into the hunt where, um, you know, I used to just drive so hard that I I wouldn't even take a minute to enjoy the the scenery or being in the woods or, or like having the time to be able to be there, you know, on our public land. So I've gotten better with age of embracing the entire experience and embracing the struggle and the the fun that I get and the enjoyment I get out of it.
1: No, absolutely. I think, I think there's a level of maturity that develops as you get older of appreciating um, the hunts and things around us. I mean, you're so much more mature than I am because you're so much older, Brian. But, uh, <laughs> but no, really, though, I, I, th- I think there's a level of maturity that as you hunt and as you um, become a better hunter of uh, this sense of uh, appreciation you get for the game, the animals and the hunt itself. I mean, every hunt's different and every hunt's teaches you something and there's bow hunting teaches you more about yourself and life and hunting than anything else i mean i i rifle hunt a lot too but um gosh bow there's just bow hunting just teaches you something just something different you
0: know oh it so does it's it's, uh, so challenging and, uh, you have to deal with failure, um, you have to deal with struggle. And yeah, overcoming that, um, is, has taught me some of the best life lessons I've ever learned about myself as well. And, and like those solo hunts where you don't have anybody to, to talk to or bounce ideas off of, you know, and I like them both. I love hunting with buddies. And then I also love hunting solo. You get to find out who you really are when you spend, you know, seven to 10 days or like we're talking even short durations, even three to four days of going hard by yourself. Uh, You got to spend that time with just you. You figure out who you really are.
1: Right. Absolutely. Solo can be tough, especially, you know, not having someone else to talk to, or, you know, if you get down a negative, you don't really have anyone to bring you up. So Solo solo ball oh. hunts definitely teach you a lot about yourself.
0: hmm Oh, absolutely. So we talked about um, you know, traveling in the dark to try to add as many hunts as we can, and then we talked about being in the right places at the right times, you know, whether it's the morning hiking in the dark to get there or in the evening, sitting on that vantage point or hunting till right at last light and coming out with your headlamp. I think that's important. I also like on on weekend hunts or short durations, I really try to be effective with the middle of the day as well. Do you also um, have a plan for middle of the day?
1: Yes. So <clears throat> middle of the day. So I talk to a lot of successful guys on what they do in the middle of the day, and most of them hunt through the day um, and are glassing, glassing. You know, because those typically. A lot of those bucks will get up and and re-bed depending on, you know, how the sun's shining and where they're at. So a lot of times you can catch something, find out where it's at, and potentially make a stock at it in the middle of the day, which I think is really smart. Um, One thing I have to kind of gauge too – now this is going to be interesting to kind of throw this out there. But with me, most of my hunts are out of state. So I've got to typically drive somewhere between four to eight hours. So I, I drive four to eight hours. Sometimes I'll sleep. For in the car for two couple hours sometimes I won't sometimes I'll start right into hiking but with me in order for me to be efficient I've got to take a little snooze at some point like call me lazy call me whatever but I know in order for me to be efficient if I don't sleep I'm gonna I'm not gonna be efficient if I try to keep hunting without at least taking a little bit of a rest And, you know, that might be 20 minutes, that might be 40 minutes, but I at least give myself a little bit of time to recoup energy, you know, I'll, I'll drink some energy and focus or, um, or whatever, once I wake up from that nap and I feel like a million bucks and I can hunt hard and really give it that focus. Now, if, if I try to push through and, and not rest a little bit, especially with not sleeping and doing all that driving and being alone, I find myself not being efficient. So for me... In order for me to be efficient, I've got to just kind of, you know, take a little bit of a rest in that middle of the day. Which, I mean, everyone's got a little bit different thing on what they do and what their bodies can handle, but for me, that's what I have to do. What, what do you think about that, Brian?
0: Oh, I think that's really smart. So um, there's a reason the military uses sleep deprivation as a form of torture.
1: <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> like when you're not sleeping enough, it's rough on you mentally and physically, and even in a short amount of time. Like, I think, um, I, I think. You have to really put your focus in the mornings, in the evenings, going hard, being at the right places, and in the middle of the day, like I still hunt the middle of the day, but you have to be careful here like you don't want to burn yourself out going so exactly. hard in the middle of the day that then you're not efficient or effective in the evening your best time to catch animals you you also don't want to travel through really good country you know looking and glassing like a madman and moving through country and then maybe jump up a buck that you didn't know was there or you're traveling through good country that you should really be there in a the morning and an evening glassing that but but you've looked at it, at it in the middle of the day and you don't see any animals and so you move on to the next drainage so that's a that's one where you got to be really careful and so Uh, um in the middle of the day like i I don't always take a nap but i do like take it easy in the middle of the day like i i'm not pushing as hard and i try to focus on on country where i'm going to see deer like i really like uh north side timber or burnt timber or or where i might see one come up that's bedded you know see one get up and adjust beds like you're saying but I just don't go too crazy here. If you were to stare through your glass throughout the entire middle of the day, like you're just not as effective in your mornings and your evenings – Um, so, so I'm with you. I think it's smart to take it a little bit easy in the middle of the day, maybe catch a nap and reboot because we talked about driving all night long. We talk about leaving two hours before light coming back with your headlamp. Like you're not getting enough sleep. You are sleep deprived and it'll weigh on you. So I think it's a good idea to take a nap in the middle of the day, like still keep looking and keep hunting and keep theorizing, but, but don't push so hard where you're going to burn yourself out.
1: Right. No, I I think you have to hunt smarter, not harder, especially if you're going on that short of a hunt, traveling that far in the vehicle by yourself. I mean, you don't want to wreck and die and you you don't want to get yourself in a mess on the mountain uh, that you don't have the energy to get out of or didn't make the smartest mental decision because you're so dang tired. You know. So I, I, I think there's something to be said about hunting smarter than there is to be something said about hunting harder.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, I think you're spot on. You have to you have to have a smart game plan for that amount of time or any amount of time, really. And and redlining like you want to push hard when you've got three, four days or a limited amount of time. But it's a fine line between pushing hard and, and pushing recklessly, you know, so you have to manage your time and manage your days that, that you're hunting. So I think you're spot on.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of, and everyone has a little bit of different style. Everyone has a little bit different flavor and, and that's just kind of what's worked for me. And I've kind of worked it out in my mind and and worked it out through, you know, uh, quite a bit of experience. And do I have the most experience out there? No. Am I the best bow hunter out there? Absolutely not. Do I have some experience that has taught me a lot? Yes. I mean, bow hunting, you can read, you can talk to people, you can download all the podcasts you want, but until you get out there and actually experience and make all the mistakes, you're not going to learn, so you, you got to get out there and learn, and depending on, maybe maybe you're a hunter that goes out only on two hunts a year, but you get, you know, eight days at a time, I mean, your strategy is going to be completely different than mine, and that's okay, you know?
0: Yeah, well, in your. um you're right. Like, uh, experience is the absolute best teacher. You want to be the best bow hunter you can be, get the most experience and learn from it. But I do think, you know, through all the information that you can get, you can shorten that learning curve and kind of. Uh, know what to expect when you come in to, hunt, to a hunt, have a rough game plan and, and then try to execute, but you, you are right, experience whether it's finding animals, stalking animals experience is the very best teacher, but but pay attention to those mistakes too, it's easy to let your ego take over and, and just blame a stock on, oh he winded me or oh he did this, like I like to look at each one and see where the mistake was made and you're not going to get every one perfect but, but I like to look at it and I, I like to look at it honestly and see what I could have done different, where I made the mistake. You know, maybe I could have stocked at a different time. Maybe I crunched a stick, and that's what blew them out. Maybe I went in with dicey winds, and it swirled in there. Where it's like, okay, well, maybe I I should have waited for a better win and been more patient. But I'm always trying to learn from my mistakes.
1: Absolutely, that's the most important thing: is learning, learning, learning.
0: It is, and learning without ego. It's easy to let that ego get involved too. Like I think you got to look at it objectively and honestly and go, okay, how can I improve from this? You know, and, and confidence is, uh, confidence is a killer in the mountains, like having confidence in your gear and confidence in your abilities, but but I think it's also good to just analyze every scenario and see which way you could have done it better. And in bow hunting, you're going to yeah. fail a lot. It's just the way it is. And so you have to have a way of kind of getting over it or, or just chalking it up and, and, and learning from it and then going into the next one and going, okay, next time I'm, you know, I'm going to play this smarter. I'm going to do this different. And then like I think that plays into your instincts, and now that plays into your decision-making on every animal you find.
1: Absolutely. You brought up something, you brought up something really good there. Confidence kills. It's interesting. When you're confident out there, you know your bow shoots. You're confident in your gear. You're confident in your health. I mean, your body's feeling good. Your mind's feeling sharp. And it's, it's funny how every decision you make and every animal you spot, how your perspective and your mind almost like changes from like gosh I, I like when you first started bow hunting you're like gosh I, yeah there's no way i can get over there or there's no way i can make a stock on that too where you're you're just exuding this confidence you're like yes i i can get over there i can make that stock i i bet you i can get over there in 10 minutes where like before you're like oh that'll take me all day to get over there you know i bet you i you know i i bet you this is what they're going to do i'm going to go over there and cut them off and i bet you if i you know dip down this drainage right here and go along this dry bed that, that I can, this is where they're going to go. It's just so interesting how your equipment and being confident and knowing your equipment can make you that more efficient of a bow hunter. And I think about, it's, it's interesting, my, my latest desert hunt, I like to be light. I, I like carbon fiber. I like to be light. I'm always looking for ways that I can lighten up, you know, my my my, my kit. And for the first time, I, I shot a carbon a carbon bow. It was a Hoyt. I've shot Prime for a long time. And I shot the Synergy Hybrid, and it was this big, long axle axle bow that was super heavy, and I took this Hoyt on on this hunt for the first time. I'm not endorsing any products here, but um, and it was super light, and my whole bow, the whole thing weighed six pounds. And as silly as this sounds, I was so confident hiking around with this lighter bow because my... I don't know. My my pack was lighter. I was, it's weird, Brian. I was just more confident, and because I was more confident, I felt like I was going to go out there and kill something.
0: It it is. Confidence is a killer. Um, so spot on. Like having confidence in your gear and in your equipment. Um, you know, and then, and then also in yourself, like you say, I love how you say, you know, you look at an animal when you first start bow hunting and you say, oh, that's too far. Or some, for some reason, when you switch over from like a, a rifle bow guy to just a bow guy, not that you have to be just a bow guy, but just that bow hunting mindset. Um, like a lot of times you look at it and go, well, there's no way I could kill that animal. How am I going to stalk into range? He's got bucks above him or he's got this, or he's got that, or or like you said, you look at it and go, "Boy, that's going to take all day to get to." I'm not going to go stalk that animal, but but once you get that confidence and you 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 have felt that success and you know you can accomplish it, uh, you know, I'm almost to a fault. I look at every animal and think I can kill that animal. You know, it's like
1: <laughs> I, I just
0: I believe in myself and I believe in my shooting and my stalking skills, and so you know, I'll see an animal and it doesn't matter how far, or how many mountains it is across it. If it's an animal I want to shoot. I'm going to go over there and roll the dice. I'm going to see if I can't make a play or make something happen. And, and there's also something to be said for patience is, is patience kills as well. But um in that same breath, like I think I can kill every animal I see, and it's just me finding the right opportunity to slip in there and get narrow in them. And it doesn't always work out, and sometimes it's to a fault as I got a long right. walk back to my camp or, or back to my – to my truck or whatever the case is. But yeah, once you get that confidence, you just, you, you feel like going for any, all you need is a sliver of opportunity. And if you see that you go for it and go all in.
1: Absolutely. Because I I think it's safe to say, Brian, that you're not just going to a first time bow hunter is not just going to go out there with a ton of confidence and just go out there and kill. It's not, it's almost not going to happen. And if it, if he does get lucky his first time out there and kill something, it's probably not going to happen again like that. And you've got to you, – there's just like – there's these progression stages as a bow hunter that you get to that as you develop and grow and learn that I think it takes time to get that confidence. You can be the most confident individual in the world and you can go out there and not have that confidence glassing up that out and be like, I'm going to go kill him because it takes time, learning, and years to get to that point. That's, that's just an observation for me.
0: I like that. It is the progression of a hunter. Um, You know, when you to be overconfident or, or to have confidence that you haven't earned yet. It's almost like a false confidence. Like you have to really believe in yourself wholeheartedly and believe in your equipment and your gear. Like you've made that shot before you you've executed on animals. You've been there and, and boned out an animal and packed him out and, and he's had a, a nice rack that you're happy with. Or so it is, it's like this progression to, to gain that honest confidence in, in your abilities, your gear, your equipment and your skills. Um, man, it can couldn't, couldn't be more spot on
1: yeah well thank you yeah i i could agree more and and that confidence comes with execution
0: oh it does um that executing on an animal you can you can talk about it all day long but that is that is really tough to execute on an animal you just put all this hard work into into the hunt into planning your days you're spending money and you you get out there and it seems like when you get that one chance you've worked so hard for it it means so much to you the, the, that situation is so pressure filled, it's so tough to execute a good shot.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. But with time and learning that progression stage, you have the confidence to do it. It's like, I don't know, I feel like the last year and a half, I've been more confident as ever as a bow hunter because I've been able to put more kills underneath my. And I'm, I'm going to call them kills just because, you know, that's, that's what they are. But, um, gosh, the, the more you get, the more confident you are, and the better hunter you become.
0: Yep. Absolutely. One well, executing on animals, it just comes down to experience, learning from your mistakes, improving from it, and getting comfortable in that red zone, getting comfortable drawn back and aiming at an animal. Because the first time you shoot at an animal, I don't even remember putting a pin on them. I, like, it's like a car wreck. You don't remember doing <laughs> yeah. anything. Um, and, and then you get done, and you miss that animal by a mile, and you go, what in the heck did I do there? I've been practicing for a, a year, and, and I airballed that thing, you know? Yeah. It's like – And so you kind of like go, okay, next time i got to get a hold of myself. Next time you do the same thing. But after a couple times, you start to get more comfortable in that red zone and and comfortable. uh, And it's also making the right moves. Like I know hunting with other guys and a lot of my buddies are really good spot and stock hunters. But I can see it in the younger hunters, like those those little tiny micro moves you make inside that red zone, like trying to get drawn, trying to get a range, um, you know, uh, getting drawn and then coming over, like those little moves you make in in those little details inside that red zone, they make the Absolutely. difference between getting the shot or not, and also getting the animal or not.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Those little nuances that you don't think matter that until you get in the red zone several several times, you don't understand them and just how important they are until you've screwed up a whole bunch, you know, because then. When you get so frustrated, when you've blown so many stocks on, you know, big bucks, big bulls, what what have you, when you get into that red zone, you're going to remember them because you don't want to go to all that work, take the time off from work, you know, spend the money on the gas, spend the money on the tags, spend the money on the food, sacrifice your time away from family. And when you get into the red zone, you're going to remember all those little nuances that you need to execute on so that you, you can be successful.
0: Oh, uh, there's. There's nothing worse than than and something is. There? It takes you to your lowest low. You work so hard. Yeah. You get that opportunity. You execute your stock. You got a shot. You did everything right leading up to that point, and then you miss. Oh, man, does that take you to a low spot.
1: Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Or an even lower spot is not hitting the animal well. That's even worse.
0: Absolutely. Yep. That's the yeah. the worst thing that can happen To a bow hunter and it, it messes with you For the entire season uh, Or the entire hunt the entire season You think about it the next year But but it's also these failures and Shortcomings that make you better Like you learn from that and you go man That was the worst feeling in the world I'm going to make sure That next time you know I don't rush That shot I don't try to thread that Needle you know I don't take as long A shot with equipment nowadays You can be effective at longer yardages And, and but you can't get caught up in that in firing your longest range shot every time you get the chance like it's better to get inside that that zone where you know you're effective where you know 100 you can make that clean effective kill on that animal so i I think it's just something that we all kind of have to learn from
1: yeah absolutely i mean we've talked a lot about efficiencies on this um this podcast and and capitalizing on opportunities in short amount of time and god you got a day and a half two days you can't be muffing shots or hit, hitting animals marginally because then it turns into a real bad situation. If you got to be back to work on Monday and you've got a wounded animal up there on the hills that either you didn't give it the time it needed or deserved, or you didn't put the time into you know trying to recover it, I mean things just get real messy from there.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a season wrecker. Um, yeah, it can ruin your whole mindset and, and affect you for days to come. So I, I'm with you clean, effective shot, clean, effective kill, uh, learn from your encounters. Um, yeah, and, and it's important short amount of time, long amount of time, you know, ha- whatever your duration is out there. Um, you know, you definitely want to make sure you're effective with that weapon in your hands and it comes down to practice confidence and experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, all those factors are super-duper important, but, I mean, at the end of the day, experience is is the one thing that is going to help the progression stages.
0: Yep. Um, So so when you're hunting with a short amount of time, um, do you think you travel more country – um do you focus more on on an area that you're in or are you more apt to move around or like what what's your strategy when you've got three four days to hunt
1: well that's a great question i, I think i focus more on one area if i have little time if, if i have the knowledge of the area oh well, i guess i guess it's different if i do have the knowledge of the area and i have hunted it before and i do know a little bit about it i will laser focus on that area just because I know if I'm patient enough that I'll have an opportunity in that area. I think if you get caught, you know, with the mindset the grass is greener on the other side, and you start bouncing around, um, I, I I think that you're decreasing uh, your effectiveness and, um, and and your efficiencies for that matter. So I mean, if you know, it's different now. If you're out there kind of scouting hunting and you're trying to learn an area, um, you know, I I don't think you should you know, be super bummed if you don't come out with something just because you didn't do your knowledge and research on the area. And and you got to bounce around a little bit, but just because you don't know the area and you're trying to find game. But I think once you learn something and you have a short period of time to hunt, I think dialing in on a certain area and just being patient is, is, is the best thing you can do. That's just my opinion.
0: Yeah, I like it. Well, and it's, um, like you say, every place you hunt is, is different and, and you're kind of, Adapting to the the situation that's presented towards you to you. So if you're if you're seeing game animals and you're seeing bucks in this drainage, or like you said, if you've hunted it before. You know you know the drainages that hold deer and hold bucks, and so you can put your focuses focus on those drainages so yeah i I think that's that's good and it's just a thin line between knowing when to move and knowing when to stay and i I think yeah. it all comes from experience, and like I know if I sit in the master vantage point in the morning and and I don't catch a good buck and I don't catch very many deer. I'm not gonna be sitting there that evening. Like I, I know I looked at it at a, at a quality moving time for the animals. I sat there for a couple hours or maybe a couple different vantage points. Like if they're not in that drainage, you know, then I feel comfortable moving on and getting to the next drainage and looking at that. But if I do see some bucks or some deer, Um, you know, then I, then I'll put my focus in that drainage and go, well, maybe I should sit here for the, the afternoon evening and see what else pops out. Or maybe I saw a good buck and he disappeared into some timber. Well, that's where I'm going to be sitting and putting my focus. But yeah, that, that game plan is tough knowing when to move and when not to move. And I get caught in that too. The grass is greener on the other side when I make a game plan. You know, I'm going to look at one spot, but then I've always got backup plans. I'm going to keep walking to the next drainage if I don't see anything there. You know, I'll I'll go back to my truck and hit another trailhead and go in here. And so I get caught in that maybe a little too much of the grass is greener on the other side, but I try to give each spot its fair shake. And that's another thing is your mindset going into each spot. If you walk into a spot and you don't think you're going to see animals or you don't have confidence and you're thinking, gosh, I really should have gone to this other spot or I really should be over here. The grass is greener on this other side. Well, then you're not in there hunting effectively. You're not giving it all your effort. You're not not looking at all the right spots. So you have to go in there and go, I'm going to give this spot a fair shake whether there's deer in here or not. I'm going to hunt it as hard as I can, as effective as I can, and then I'll make my decision from there after – you know, from what I see and the conditions I'm seeing.
1: Absolutely. I think you can get lazy if you go in there thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm going to see any deer. I don't know if this spot kind of sucks. I think you can get lazy, and if you get lazy, you make mistakes.
0: Yeah, and you just don't push as hard. You're not willing to see what's over the next hill or grab the next vantage point or you, you kind of just lose confidence in the spot before you've ever even really hunted it. You're just kind of thinking, gosh, I really need to be in that drainage to the west of here. You know, that's okay. the next spot. So you're constantly thinking about that next spot, which then you're not given the the, the correct amount of, of focus or the correct amount of tension in the spot that you're at. And So that's important for me is that each spot I go into each and every day, I'm going gonna give it my all and like i'll get caught in it with like hunting elk quite a bit so if i'm walking into a spot well i know i should hear those bulls in the middle of the night bugling if there's an elk party in there and so when right. i'm hiking in in the dark and i'm not hearing any elk pretty soon as the lights are coming on i you know i've i've almost already lost focus in that spot and i need to slap myself out of it and go no looking glass around maybe there's a bull that's not bugling that's just moving maybe he's just at the farther reaches of where you can hear and you'll glass him up but you chose this spot for a reason go in there and hunt that spot don't be <laughs> jumping around like a maniac yeah. hunting hunt confidence And I, I think you
1: know this may or may not sound silly brian but i think you've got to make decisions instinctively and trust your gut so make decisions instinctively and trust your gut. I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes that's all you got.
0: I like that. Yeah, trust your gut. You you pick that spot for a reason. Maybe it's past success. Maybe it's your scouting. But you picked it for a reason. Give it its all and at least see if there's something in there. You know, just don't give up early on it.
1: Yeah, don't give up early. Absolutely.
0: Yep. And um, you know, when you you don't see. I mean, from the correct vantage points, um, you still – you never see 100% of the animals – um, you know whether they're over another hillside or over a fold or in some cover already or sometimes they're bedded at first light for you know they fed throughout the night with a full moon or whatever the case and they're bedded at first light and so you're sitting up on a vantage point and that first half an hour you don't pick up a deer like just make sure you're giving that spot it, it's all and really trying to turn up quality critters in there because it's amazing sometimes you know you don't see them for the first hour or even the first few hours and then middle of the day you look at the right patch of timber and there's a giant buck sitting in there
1: right totally agree give it give it a chance give it a fair chance before you give up
0: yep and, and then so do you change your stocking at all when you're a limited amount of time like how you uh make a stock like are you more aggressive um gosh man i i, th- I think
1: uh it just kind of depends it, it goes back to that instinct i mean it, it's going to depend on the situation it's going to depend on just you know how much time i have if i'm on the last day yeah i'm going to be way more aggressive but if i think that i got another day and a half I, I might i might be a little less aggressive i think i think rather than just going after short on time okay you're short on time rather than just going after the animal just you know getting the wind right and bombing over there i think there's something to be said about just kind of watching their behavior you know check out and see what they're going to do first and you know maybe just play the patient game a little bit more before you just go out over there and, you know, screw something up. You know, I, I think there's gotta be this balance when you're short on time and you only got a few days and you're bow hunting. I think there's just gotta be a balance. Trust your instincts. Maybe you got to go over there and cut them off. Maybe, maybe you're, you're confident that animal's going to bed and you're going to get a good wind and, um, you're going to be able to make, make a stock. I mean, it just really really depends on you know what you're seeing from the animals and what you know about the area where you know the deer tend to funnel through this area and they stay here and they don't come back or if they actually stay here around the whole time or you know if it's a you know a migration spot or if it's if if it's their home i think all those factors kind of play into it and then once you you know determine those factors you've got to you've got to hunt instinctively and make instinctive decisions and then you know, try to find that balance of, you know, what you should do based on how much time you have. I, I don't know. That was kind of a long winded answer there, but I, I don't think there's a perfect answer to that. I, I think you just got to kind of fill it out.
0: Yeah, I think you gave a great answer of trusting your instincts, um, like like your instincts dictate when you go on the stock and when you don't. And you you always have more time than you think, and it it doesn't do you any good to find a trophy you know first thing Saturday morning and bomb over there and be super aggressive and not have the wind right or not make a methodical slow planned out stock and bust that animal out and then you got to start all over and find him again and so uh, i I think he gave the perfect, perfect. answer, like you let your instincts. Instincts dictate the stock, and you you definitely, with a limited amount of time, you you have to be looking for your opportunity, but, you know... I'm aggressive whether I'm hunting for a few days or whether I'm hunting for a week. And so I have to really make myself be patient, but it it is, it's reading that situation, reading that animal and then deciding when to go all in. And that might be right at the moment you see him. It might be, you know, once he beds down for his midday bed, it it might be waiting till evening and trying to cut him off coming back out to feed. Um, But, but just keep theorizing, keep making plans don't stalk recklessly, but, but if you see your opportunity and you feel like you can kill that animal, like that's a good time to roll the dice.
1: Right. Absolutely. In fact, I have a kind of a story about that. Um, so I was hunting with my buddy Kyle Jackson and, and, um, we're, we're hunting for coastal blacktails in California. And I think I had, I drove all the way to California. I think I had three days max for this trip with a bow to get it done. And, I had this I went and made this stock and wind was good. I made, went and made this stock on this coastal blacktail buck. Not a real big buck, but just an average buck. And I got in there to fifteen yards and I was like, There's no way he's here. He's he's gone. Like we made too much noise coming in here. There's I mean, how did he get out of here and that's not seeing like, right? Whatever. Well, I got lazy because I, I thought I knew what happened. I got lazy. I should I should have been on my toes. Well turns out that buck had dug himself a little nest and crawled underneath a nest of like this brush it was kind of crazy these these coastal blacktails behave differently than anything I've ever hunted well he goes blowing out of there and I I was just remember being so upset with myself just so upset with myself that I just got lazy and I and I didn't execute and I in bow hunting you have an opportunity you have to capitalize on that opportunity and so you know I was all mad and Buck ran off, and I'm like, well, there that buck goes, and there's not a lot of deer out here in this kind of country. So I knew the opportunities that I had, I had to take full advantage of, and me, you know, only having three days. Well, I get a text from my brother saying, hey, that, that buck looped around and went over into this this group of trees. I was like, huh, really? So I was like, well, Kyle, let's go over there. So Kyle's running the camera. He follows me over there, and I climb on this giant boulder, and I text my brother. And I'm like, you sure he didn't come out of these trees?" He's like, "No, he he didn't come out of these trees." And so I, I'm looking at this at this little group of trees, and we're talking, Brian. It's super tiny. I'm like, "Oh, well, he's bedded in here." I'm glassing, 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 couldn't see him. But I'm like, you know what? I had this instinctive gut feeling to knock an arrow. Well, which I should have done anyway. But I'm like, oh, I'm not going to make this mistake again. I'm going to go as if he's in here, and I'm going to see him and I'm going to kill him. I knock an arrow, and I just start ranging everything in there, just so I kind of knew. So I, I I wanted to get, I wanted to be ready. So if he did come out of there, and you know, because we we literally had to be standing right over it. I mean, we had no idea, and the topography was was kind of laid out in such that you couldn't really glass in there, you couldn't really see. And so I here I am on this forty foot boulder, kind of looking down over this one patch of trees. Now bear in mind, there is no other trees around. I mean, we're talking; it is just grass. So if he's in here, that I mean, he's in here, and there's no way that Aaron would have made a mistake and he's not in there. So he's in there, and it's crazy. So picture this: a giant forty-foot boulder, this little patch of trees, and the rest is just open, open grassy hills. So I'm like, how are we gonna do this? I'm like, I'm like, there's no way we're gonna flush this sucker out of here like a ringneck pheasant. I'm like, we're, we got bows here, like. What are we going to do here? And I just I just had this feeling, like, again, a gut instinct. I told, I told Aaron, I said, you guys just walk up this draw, go slow and super quiet, and maybe if you guys go slow and super quiet, he'll stand up and I'll be able to pick him off. Sounds pretty far-fetched, right? I, I would have thought in a million years there's no way this work. this is going to work. Well, they start coming through. I can finally see him start to come through the draw, and Aaron was with another friend. Well, they're coming through the jaw, the draw, and I'm just waiting. I mean, my release is on my D loop. Um, I'm I'm prepared in case something. I do get an opportunity. Well, turns out this buck was below me on this giant 40 foot boulder, and I couldn't see him. And he gets up, stops. I had one window opportunity. He went the only way he could have for me to be able to, you know, shoot him. And he went, stopped for five sec—not even five seconds. He stopped for two seconds, drew back, thumped him, and ran over the fence and went and bedded forty yards and, and expired. So it's like you—you got to be aggressive, but you can't be too aggressive. But you got to trust your instincts sometimes. Like I would have never thought in a million years that plan would work. In fact, I wasn't going to go over there and 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 try to get him in that small patch of trees because literally it was one patch of trees in the middle of all this open country. There was no way I was going to go over there and get a shot in with a bow. But I had I had this feeling, I had I had this plan in my mind, and we tried it and it worked. And it and it taught me something. It taught me like just when you think it's over and there's not a way, it happens. I mean, but but keep in mind I already had an arrow knocked, I already had my my release on my D loop. I mean, I had everything ranged, I had prepared myself to be ready for in the event that he gets up and gave me an opportunity, and, and it worked because Because I had taken those steps, it's it's just crazy. So the the reason I brought that story was, you know, you want to you want to be reckless and overly aggressive, but sometimes you just got to trust your gut and do something that you just feel like might work, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely. Our biggest asset, you know, is not our teeth and our claws. It's it's our mind. It's theorizing. It's being able to outsmart those animals. And I like it. That story was great, Eric, as I could picture that that boulder and that group of trees, and your buddies coming up the drainage, getting that buck up, and and so you were playing the escape route out of that trees. He was going to come up by uh you know one way or another. That's what you were hoping for, anyways. But but you're right. You, you theorize and you come up with a game plan and trust your instincts and you go all in. And it, it worked out that time and you were able to collect a Colombian blacktail, which are really tough to harvest. I grew up hunting those in, in western Washington. And, yeah, those those things are um, are definitely a, a true trophy. But how cool. Um Made a good shot on him. He gave you a small window, uh, but uh, you're also correct in that that never would have happened if you went to trusted your instincts and taken those steps, uh, clipping your release, having an arrow knocked yep. up, being prepared for the shot. So always have yourself ready. And it's funny how um, your your mind like starts working against you, like the la- the final approach of a stock. Your mind always uh, always says like, oh, hurry up and get there and see if he's still there. Well, that's the time when you should move your slowest, but your mind's like fighting you and wants you to move quick and see if he's over that ledge like you want that encounter to happen. And, 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 the same thing, like with that blacktail that you told, like the first encounter you had, you got to the spot and he wasn't there and you said, Oh, it's gone. It isn't going to happen. And a lot of times that muley or that blacktail or whatever the case has just swapped beds and he's still right in there. So, so play every opportunity and play it out to the absolute fullest. You know, I know on my last, my last hunt was a coos deer hunt and we had bedded a buck and now. Coos deer are a little bit different than blacktails as they are the gray ghost, and those things can, you know, you think you have your eyes on the group of trees where he's at, and, and all of a sudden that buck sneaks out and he's behind the next bush and the next bush, and they blend in so well they can get out of there, and I made this this sweet stalk, and I had my buddy Dan glassing the buck and the timber patch the whole time, made a stalk around, really took my time, and then got down right on top of where we thought that buck was. Well, I sat there for three hours before I gave up, and the buck had gotten out of there and gotten out of my buddy Dan's view. I hadn't seen him from my points that I checked, and he had made it out of there. But, man, give every every, uh, situation the opportunity to unfold in front of you, and don't be the one to screw it up by moving too fast or giving up too soon. Like, you just saw a buck there. Like – See if he's really there before you give up or make sure that you're moving slow in that, that last little you know uh, red zone of uh, uh, moving in trying to get the shot. But it, it, it's weird how our minds almost play tricks on us and want us to give up easy, want us to stop putting forth the effort, or want us to, to hurry up and see if he's there.
1: Absolutely. It's funny that you said that. Don't, don't give up too easy. Uh, assume he's still there. I can't tell you how many – Bowls that I've screwed up on when I first started bow hunting because I'm like, oh, he's gone. I'm just going to stand up. and it just turns out he was just a little bit further past the dip where I couldn't see him because I thought my mind told me he was gone. He, I blew him out, and I, I would have killed him or I would have got a shot at him or – you know, what's don't, don't give up too easy and assume they're still there, you know?
0: Yeah. Always assume they're, they're still there. And, and what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to sit there for a little bit more time where a, a big buck just was or where a big bull just was like, you don't know what's going to happen. You could, he could come racing up the hill right at you. And so, yeah, give it its all and let things unfold in front of you. Don't give up too easy. I think that's an important one.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Comes okay. back to those instincts and learning our lessons, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Unless you screw up a whole bunch, you don't learn.
0: <laughs> That's it. Uh, experience is the best teacher. Well, man, this is a really fun conversation, Eric. I got to get you back on the podcast, and so you've got a podcast of your own called Muley Freak that you guys started over there.
1: Yeah, just a Muley Freak podcast. So, I mean, might not be a bad idea to kind of continue this conversation uh, over on our podcast, or you know, maybe talk about something different. But um, I think we'd like to have you on there, so.
0: Oh, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'll record one on yours, and then let's just keep in touch, and and as the year progresses and we go on some of these hunts, let's check in with each other. I I really appreciate your, your insight into bow hunting and the short durations of the hunt, and really enjoyed talking to you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Brian. I appreciate it.
0: Yep, you bet. Bye. All right. That's a wrap. Uh, really fun conversation with Eric. Um, he's got some great insight into short duration hunts and great insight into hunting. Um, I like his instincts and just a fun conversation. It's so funny you have, um, you know, we're, we're on our, our 80th episode and, um, gosh, it just seems like every conversation is different. Everybody you talk to has a little bit different path to success. And, um, it's cool to tap into and then have a conversation about, you know, different, different facets of their hunting game. And so, uh, just really enjoying the, the podcast platform, really fun conversation with Eric. Uh, I'm going to get together and, and, uh, do one for his podcast as well. Uh, so we're th- already throwing around ideas for that one. So, um, it, it's fun and, and fun, you know, Eric does that, that podcast. And so, you know, he's so relaxed on Mike, which most of the guests do really good. Um, You know, it it seems like there's about a 5-10 minute warm-up and then things seem to go pretty smooth. Um, So, yeah, just really enjoying it. I want to thank again Taito Knives for sponsoring today's show. Um, Taito Knives, they're a replaceable blade knife, ultra-lightweight. They wrap them with 550 cord for for good grip. Um, They uh, make them in neon colors, neon orange, and then I'm running the neon green so I can see it when I set it on the ground. Um, and it, they're just surgically sharp, re- replaceable blade knives. You, you can just, uh, process animals so much easier with them. So, um, just a game changer for a knife. And thanks to Taito for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, again, over there at Eastman's, make sure to check out that $20 subscription deal we got going on for both magazines and, uh, make sure to check out that beyond the grid. And, um, just can't thank you guys enough for the support, uh, just still growing this prop podcast. And, um, there's, there's so many, There's so many new podcasts coming out right now, you know, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's tough and it's a cutthroat market. And so, you know, I just feel really fortunate that, that we've been able to build a community of guys that, that look forward to, to listening to the episodes. And so it's just going to keep working on our content and, Keep working on our skills as podcast hosts and, and try to get some really good guests in and um, just have some really interesting hunting conversations. I think that's what it's all about. So uh, thanks a bunch for all the support, guys. Um, I'm getting this ready for next week. Uh, gone heading next week, so I'll uh, release this um, I don't know, maybe Wednesday, Thursday there, get in some Wi-Fi and release this and uh, hopefully tie into some steel. So much fun out there for those things. So i um, looking forward to it. It's like uh, 7 o'clock at night now, so um, <laughs> I uh, I have had such a crazy busy week that I'm getting out this podcast It's 7 at night now. I'm going to go up and pack my bag. should take me about 30 minutes, throw all my stuff in the truck, and then um, start driving towards the coast. Uh, I got another big storm coming in, and so uh, we had a storm just uh, yesterday and, and this morning, and so I'm hoping the roads are okay. Um, that can really make for a long trip, but, uh, figure I better get a head start on it. It's supposed to get gnarly. So, um, yeah, I don't know, get uh, four or five hours, six hours underneath me tonight and, uh, sleep in that Toyota hotel of mine (laughs) back in that canopy and, um, and yeah, uh, get up and, and, uh make the rest of the trip but uh really fun love traveling and and uh, just fortunate i'm able to do all these things so anyways i'm blabbering on about fishing this is a hunting podcast but that's what's going on with my life uh get my runs in get my workouts in um starting to apply for different states and different tags and i'm just gonna go for it see what i can draw this year um You know, I really want to kill a a nice buck and a nice bull and just have some cool adventures. So, I mean, I I guess uh, that's all in the works here, but uh, it's just uh, a fun time of year. Um, Better end this podcast so I can get on the road, get some miles underneath me. But uh, thanks again for all the support, guys. Uh, Check in with you next week.